And this series is based on one verse from the book of James. It's James chapter 1, verse 19. And so there's one little verse. We've based the whole series on this. Can you guys hear me out there? Am I coming through up there all right? Yeah, good. Um, this says, it's James 1.19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Simple little instruction here. And this is not just for Christians only, okay? This is for everybody, whoever you are and whatever you believe. This is just solid advice that you really can't argue against. James tells us to be quick to listen. In other words, be eager to listen. Make that our first priority, to listen to what somebody has to say to us, to consider what somebody else is saying. Be quick and eager to listen, eager to receive from someone else. Slow to respond and slow to become angry. Sometimes the things that we hear can cause us to get defensive or cause us to get worked up or cause us to get frustrated. And what James is telling us is, whoa, pump the brakes. Be eager to consider what somebody else has to say. Be slow to respond, slow to speak back, and slow to get yourself all worked up and defensive or offended or whatever it may be. And so this is solid advice. And you think about how many times we would do ourselves just a service if we would follow this advice. How many times have we put our foot in our own mouth here? You know, we speak too fast, we say something we should not have said, and when we speak too quickly, we do damage to our own reputation. We talked about that a, a, a lot last week, how we damage our own reputation by being too quick to speak, too quick to respond. Last Sunday we talked about the similarities between criticism and judgment and how they are basically the same thing. I mean, what does it mean to criticize somebody? What does it mean to judge somebody? It's basically, essentially, the same exact thing. And the other thing we talked about last week is the fact that nobody, nobody wants to be judgmental. That's no one's goal in life. That's no one's desire to be judgmental. No one wants that, okay? Not just Christians. Nobody wants to be judgmental. Now, those of us who are Christians, we know better. We know we're not supposed to judge other people, but no one wants to be judgmental. Now, there's another element to all this. No one wants to be judgmental. At the same time, no one wants to be accused of being judgmental, right? Again, that's not just a Christian thing. It's universally true. No one wants to be judgmental. No one wants to be accused of being judgmental. Here's the problem. Sometimes we're so concerned about that possibility, that potential of being accused of being judgmental. We're so concerned about that. We're so afraid of that that we fail to speak up when we really should. You know, there are times, listen, James doesn't say be silent. He says be slow to speak. There are times that we really need to carefully consider what we need to say, and then, and then we speak up. And so sometimes that fear of being accused of being judgmental, sometimes we're so concerned about that, sometimes we're so afraid of that, that we fail to speak up during the times that we really should say something, where we really should speak. There are times that we should speak up, okay? No one wants to be judgmental, no one wants to be accused of being judgmental. Now, as you're all aware, there is a big difference between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. You all know this already. There's a big difference between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. Being judgmental, being critical, just blasting your opinions out there and telling other people what they're doing is wrong, that's one thing. Exercising good judgment is something else. Exercising good judgment is knowing the difference between behaviors that are beneficial and detrimental. Knowing the difference between behaviors that are wise and foolish, right? Knowing the difference between right and wrong. That's good judgment, right? We don't want to be judgmental, but we do want to possess 
good judgment, right? Parents, what do you want for your kids? You don't want your kids to be judgmental, but you do want them to have and possess good judgment, especially as they get older and have more opportunities for their freedoms, right? They find themselves in a situation where you can be tempted to do a lot of foolish things. And so we want our children, we want our our kids, our teenagers, our young adults to exercise good judgment. We don't want to be judgmental. We do want to exercise good judgment. Let me tell you a little story, a little situation I had. Um, This took place many, many years ago. I uh, had a friend, and uh, this was back in the single days. He was a single guy, and he um, started dating this girl. And uh, you know what that's like when your, your friend starts dating somebody and you're kind of optimistic and you're hopeful that it all works out for him. And so he goes on, on one date with this girl, which turns into two dates, and it turns into a relationship. And so they were together for several months. And um, you've probably experienced this before where, you, where from your perspective you see a relationship start to form and you think, uh, I don't know that this is a good idea. <laughs> you start to see something because you have a perspective that your friend doesn't have and you start to see some red flags along the way. And so this couple, again, they were together for several months, but there have been some issues in the relationship. I'm seeing these red flags. They had already broken up and gotten back together a couple of times over the course of this several-month period. And so I'm sitting back just watching this unfold, watching these two people in a relationship that does not seem healthy from my perspective. Have you been there? Have you ever been there in a place like that? I feel like that's kind of universal to the human experience. If you've never experienced this, at some point in your life you will. You'll have a front row seat watching somebody else enter into a relationship that's not great. And you'll watch that couple get all tangled up in each other's lives. And, and there's always that issue. When, you're, when you see that kind of thing unfolding, there's always the issue of, should I speak up? Should I say anything? And if I should say anything, what should I say? And when should I say it? And how am I going to say it? And how is it going to be received? And so it's very, very weird. You've been there before. Have you been there? Anybody in this room, have you been there before? You watch a relationship and you're like, oh, I don't know that this is a good idea. And so I'm watching this unfold and I am keeping quiet and just considering and just receiving and just paying attention to what's happening. I'm seeing all these red flags. And um, at one point in time, uh, my friend, he gives me this window of opportunity. And he essentially asks for my feedback. <laughs> asks me to share, hey, what do you think of this relationship? Um, and it was one of those moments where I wasn't sure <clears throat> if he really wanted to hear the truth or if he just wanted some praise. Have you been in that position before where someone's asking for, you know, give me some feedback, and really they just want you to say, hey, everything you're doing is great. Anyway, so he asked me my opinion, and so I said, well, listen, from my perspective, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing these red flags. I'm seeing that she's done certain things. I'm seeing that you've ended the relationship and gotten back to there. I'm seeing these things. And so I shared that. Those conversations are always difficult. And as we all know, Um, In conversations like that, you cannot control how the other person responds, right? You can only control your end of the conversation to the best of your ability. And so I share these difficult truths, I share this perspective, and it did not go great. (laughs) It was not well received, and after that conversation, I was accused of a couple of things that, to be frank, hurt my feelings, And one of the things that I was accused of was being judgmental. You know, you're being judgmental. And that hurts. I mean, I feel like that's not fair. 
And that's such an easy accusation to throw out there. When you don't want to hear what somebody else has to say, ah, you're just being critical, ah, you're just being judgmental, and then that shuts down the whole conversation. It's just not, it's just not fair. And, and yeah, it hurts because nobody wants to be judgmental, but we also we don't want to be accused of being judgmental. Now here's the thing, if you've never found yourself in a conversation like that, you will. One day you will be on either end or one end or the other of that conversation. Maybe over the course of your lifetime you're going to experience both ends of a conversation like that. A time where you need to be the one that speaks up and a time where you need to be the one that listens and receives. And nobody wants to be accused of being judgmental. We just, we just don't want that and yet we do need to speak up sometimes. In the last message series we did, I mentioned this, that there is this thing in, in our modern day and age that, that we feel like we need to accept every decision that everybody makes. We need to treat every decision as if it's wise and if it's good. And if we ever question anybody else's choices, that's being judgmental. But that's just not the case because here's what we know about us human beings. We all mess up. We all need to be corrected at points in our lives. We don't enter into this world having everything figured out. We need to be corrected at certain points along the way. We need that. Nobody likes that, but it's a necessary part of growing up and entering into this world and maturing and finding the right path. We all need that. And so that's, that's not being judgmental when someone speaks to you those words and they try to help you get on that right path. These are different things altogether. It's one thing to be judgmental. It's another thing to offer somebody else sound advice, right? It's one thing to be critical of somebody, to just point out what they're doing is wrong and you should stop and just being critical, just being judgmental. That's one thing. But to offer someone gentle words of correction is something else altogether. These are two separate things. And one of the problems is that we have a tough time knowing the difference. What's the difference between being judgmental and offering helpful advice? What's the difference there? So I'm going to answer that question for you. We're going to figure this out, and then we're going to know it. We're going to go forward, forward knowing exactly the difference between what's it look like to be judgmental and what's it look like to give words of gentle correction and advice. And it all comes down to one issue, your heart. It's all, it all comes down to your heart. Anger, frustration, a sense of superiority, a sense of, of, I don't know, being better than somebody else. That's what motivates those words of judgment and criticism. On the other hand, love. Genuine concern for someone else. Someone that you know. Someone that you are in some kind of a relationship with. Love. Genuine concern. These things motivate words of correction. Words of advice. So these two things... They're very different. Um, there is this, uh, this phrase that we Christians say. It's actually from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 15. Uh, Paul tells us in that verse that we should speak the truth in love. Have any of you heard this? Okay, you've heard this before. Speak the truth in love. It's what we're instructed to do as believers, those of us who are Christians, to speak the truth in love. It's become almost a catchphrase in certain Christian circles to speak the truth in love. But I'm concerned that there might be a little bit of confusion over what exactly that means. I mean, some people take that verse, they take that phrase, they take this idea and say, okay, well that just means you take a tough truth and you package it in a kind and gentle way. If you have to say something difficult, just be sure you're, you're really careful of your word choice and say that tough thing in a loving way. That's not what Paul's talking about when he says that we should speak the truth in love. What Paul is talking about is motivation. 
that those words of truth, if we're going to speak, those words of truth need to be coming from a place of love. It's not about the packaging of the truth. It's about the motivation behind sharing that we should speak the truth and love. And I believe that our good buddy Paul, he practiced what he preached. Let's take a look at this very fun Scripture passage that Pastor Sean read for us. He asked me this morning, are you sure about this? I'm like, yeah, we're going to read this one today. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Let's take a look. Um, before we, we look here and see what's going on, just a little bit of context about Paul and his journey and his life. Um, Paul is somebody that went through a season of his life um, being figuratively blind. I'll put it that way. Um, Paul, when, when he first heard about the rise of Christianity, he believed that the Christians were... Um, that they were blasphemers, that they were telling lies about God, that this was not the truth. And so Paul, he set out to end this movement, end Christianity, because he couldn't see. He did not have a clear perspective. He did not know the truth at that point in time. And so he was figuratively blinded. And then one day, he's out to go persecute some Christians. Jesus appears before him and literally blinds him. And after his literal sight was restored... He could also see spiritually. Okay? The truth of who Jesus is was revealed to him. And so Paul went from being the biggest enemy and opponent of Christianity to becoming the biggest advocate for Christianity. Once he had sight, once he had clarity, he went on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people all over. And what he would do is he would travel from town to town um, you might call that a missionary who traveled from, from place to place, from city to city, and he'd find out where the people gathered, and he'd just start talking to them about Jesus, right? And he'd tell the truth to people about God, about how much God loves them, about how God sent his son Jesus into the world, that Jesus died for our sins. And when, when Paul would travel from town to town, some people would believe what he had to say, and others wouldn't. The people who believed what Paul had to say, the people who accepted Christ as their Savior, they became the church, right? And so from town to town, Paul traveled. He would form these little churches. Church had nothing to do with a building. It had nothing to do with an event. It was a group of people, right? And so Paul would do this, and he'd spend some time with that church, and then he'd have to travel on to other churches. And so what Paul did, and this is most of what's in our New Testament, what Paul did is he went and he wrote letters back to those churches that he started, saying, okay, I know you're new at this whole Christianity thing. I know you're new at being a church, in fact, we're all new at being the church, so let me give you some further information, some more information about what it means to be the church. That was Paul's life, is, is sending this information back to those churches that he started. Here's what it means. Here's how you live into this Christianity thing. Here's how you live out what it means to be the church. And so can we imagine what it's like to be a small local church started by Paul, left on our own, trying to figure it out? And then the mailman comes and we get a letter from Paul like, oh, this is, this is priceless. This is gold. Paul's going to give us some more information. We need this. So this was Paul's story and this is Paul's life. And so one of the churches that, that Paul started was, was in this town of Corinth. And so these people, they were all Gentiles. They, they did not have a Jewish background. They had no you know, knowledge of, of the God of what we now call the Old Testament. And so um, Paul comes and he tells them about God. They have no point of reference for who this God is. And so Paul's got a lot to explain tells them about the one true God, tells them about Jesus, they accept and they become the first church there in Corinth. And so there they are. And um, they got a few things wrong, all right? They got a lot of things wrong, actually. And I think all of us churches get things wrong from time to time. 
So they got some stuff wrong, and so Paul finds out what's going on in this church that he planted, and so he sends a letter to help correct them. Okay? It's important to note that this man Paul was not a stranger to this group of people, this church in Corinth. There was a relationship there. Paul was invested personally in their growth, in their health, and in their success. And so Paul gets a report, here's what's going on in Corinth, and so he writes a couple letters here to instruct and educate and help them get on the right path, and there were some things that needed to be corrected. What's it say? 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is Paul writing. He says, It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Didn't I just mention Oedipus last week? What's going on with this church? All these weird references. Um, If it makes you feel any better, this is almost certainly the man's stepmother. So I guess you could say it could be worse, right? (laughs) But still... This is wrong. And Paul points out, says, listen, there are pagans that even know that this is, this is no bueno, right? This is not good. Even the pagans, people that want nothing to do with our God, they realize that this is not appropriate behavior, to say the least. And so Paul is saying, this is what I've heard. Now, I imagine that Paul didn't just you know, bust out a pen and paper right away. I imagine that he really took some time to consider the information that he was receiving. And if you've ever read through the New Testament, if you've ever read any of Paul's letters, we get the impression that he was someone who was very careful in his phrasing and in his word choice. I mean, Paul's sentences are, 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 I mean, they're brilliant, the way he phrases ideas. I mean, sometimes they're complicated and they run on, but this is a man who's careful with his words. And so he finds out this is going on. He writes this letter. He's addressing this in chapter 5 here. And so he says, this is what's going on, verse 2, and you are proud So we've got two problems here. We've got the fact that this is happening and the fact that the congregation is accepting of this and celebrating this. It says, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? This is not something to celebrate. This is something that should be grieving your hearts. Okay? And so I don't know... I don't know, we, none of us know the details of what's actually going on here. Why was this congregation celebrating this? Why were they proud about this? I don't know. Um, maybe they thought that this guy and, and this woman really were, were meant to be. I, I, I don't know, and I don't want to try to defend it, so I'm not going to. But for some reason, they were celebrating this, and Paul says, first off, this can't happen. Even the pagans know that this is wrong. And secondly, guys, you can't be celebrating. This should, be, this should give you grief in your spirit when you found out that this was happening. You should have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship this man who has been doing this. This doesn't work. You can't be an active part of the body of Christ if you're going to completely deny the the immorality of this. You you can't be a part of this. This isn't right. Verse 3, here's the kicker. For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, I have already, here's the phrase, passed judgment. I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. Whoa, 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 Paul. I mean, buddy, you're not supposed to be judgmental. I mean, Jesus said, 
don't judge other people, right? Judge not lest ye be judged. What are you doing, Paul? Well, what is Paul doing? This isn't about being judgmental. This isn't about criticizing somebody else. This is about Paul having sound judgment and knowing the difference between wisdom and folly, what's beneficial and what's detrimental, what's right and what's wrong. This is Paul saying, I know I've got a perspective that you don't have because you guys are new at this, so I'm going to share this perspective. I'm going to share these words of correction with you. Why? Because Paul was invested. His heart, he was coming at this from a place of love and genuine concern. And Paul, here's what you need to know. He took a risk in writing this letter. He took a risk in addressing this. How do you think the people in Corinth received this news? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, people are people, so I I, I assume, which is always dangerous to assume, but maybe some of the people, they heard what Paul was saying. You know, we can assume that this letter was read in some kind of public gathering. And says, there they are, and they're hearing these words. And so maybe some people thought, what is this guy talking about? And what is this, you know, who is he to judge us? Why is he criticizing? Maybe, maybe some people responded that way. But there were probably others that said, okay, Paul's right. Paul's got a bigger perspective. Paul is further along in his journey. Paul knows more about God. Paul has sound judgment. So if he's telling us this is what it means to be the church, he must be right. And so Paul, he took that risk. He put himself out there to give those words of correction, not knowing how that church would respond. But he did it anyway. Why? Because he was genuinely concerned, motivated by love and care. And that's what matters, to have that motivation. This isn't about just being judgmental. This is about helping helping. What does Jesus say? We read this last week. Jesus talks about how we need to to take the plank out of our own eye before we can see clearly, and then we can remove the speck from our brother's eye, right? Jesus doesn't say you're not allowed to try and help and correct others. He doesn't say that. He says, first, you need clarity. First, you need to take the speck out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help your brothers and sisters remove the speck from their own eye. Plank out your own eye first, then you can help other people. You need clarity. You need clarity before you can help other people figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's wise and what's foolish. Here's a question for you. This is tough, maybe. What are you going to do when you find yourself in a situation like this, when it's time to speak up, right? You got that person in your life, that loved one, somebody you care about, and you see something that that person just doesn't see. You see a danger that that person just doesn't see. They're not aware of it. And I mentioned the example earlier about you know that couple, and, and whenever there's a lot of emotion involved, or there's love, or at least the perception of love, that's tough to speak into. It really is. But what are you going to do? You're there. And you've got sound judgment. You can see something the other person does. You see the red flags. Will you speak up? Here's what you need to do when you find yourself in that situation where you feel like it's time for me to say something. Here's what you need to do. Step one is you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You do, all right? You need to check your heart. See where you are. If you feel like it's time to speak up, do a heart assessment before you say anything. Do a heart assessment. 
how am I feeling right now? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling frustrated? Am I feeling annoyed? If you're feeling like that, if that's what's going in your heart, then you keep silent and you pray and you wait for a change of heart. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. For real. On the other hand, if you think it's time to speak up and you do that little heart assessment, you do that heart check, and what you find there is love and genuine concern, then it's time to speak, to be brave, to go into that conversation. It's time. It's time to speak. So what are you going to do when it's time to speak up? Will you possess the courage? Will you enter into that awkward conversation? Okay, how about this? You ready for this one? What about when the tables are turned, right? And you're the one on the other end of the conversation. And somebody's approaching you with a new perspective, with a bigger perspective. Someone's approaching you with some gentle words of correction. How will you receive those words? I mean, you can't control how they're going to deliver that message to you. You can't. But you can control your response. This is part of life, all right? The only way that you're going to avoid conversations like this is if you just don't care about anybody and don't love anybody. Okay, well, there you go. Just isolate yourself and don't get in anybody else's li- lives and that's, that's it, okay? You're going to find yourself in a situation like this. And so when you're on the receiving end, will you do what James has instructed us to do? Will you be quick to hear that person out? Okay, let me hear what you have to say. Let me hear. This might be tough, but let me hear and let me consider. Will you be slow to speak back, slow to respond, slow to get defensive, slow to become offended by what they have to say? What will you do in situations like that? Because here's what we all know. You can only control your response. You can only control your end of that conversation. So as far as it depends on you, will you be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. As I mentioned last week, we talked about this whole thing. We need to get the planks out of our own eyes so we can see clearly to help others. And that's exactly it. We need that clarity. You know, there was Paul who, who was literally blind at one point in his life and he needed to have his vision restored so he could see clearly. We need to be able to see clearly so that we can help other people. And once we have that clarity, once we possess that sound judgment, we can speak the truth in love and help our brothers and sisters, which is a very important part of this command. This isn't about just shouting your opinions out at, at, you know, at, at the Internet or at the world or at people you don't know. This is about helping the people that you know. And once we see clearly, we can help the people that we know. We can have clarity. and We can remove the specks from our brothers' and sisters' eyes so that they, too, can see clearly. Clarity is the goal, Right? Think about what Jesus says. There's a speck in somebody else's eye. There's a plank in your own eye. You need to remove those things so you can see clarity. Having clarity, possessing sound judgment, knowing right from wrong, that's the ultimate goal. So we can make this world a better place. We can make our community a better place. But to do so, we need clarity and we need to speak up. So we need wisdom to know when is it time to speak up. We need courage to actually follow through. But more than anything else, do you know what we need? We need love. Everything that the Bible teaches us as far as our behavior and how we are to conduct ourselves, everything hinges on one concept, and that is we need to love one another. Words of correction can be tough to process, can be tough to hear, 
But when those words are spoken out of a place of love, we know that that other person is speaking up for our sake. This is our responsibility as the church. How do we make the world a better place? It starts with ourselves. It starts within our own hearts. If our words and actions are motivated by love, we can make a positive change in our community and in our world. Let's pray. Father God, give us, give us what we need to make our community and the world around us a better place. Give us sound judgment. Reveal to us the planks that are in our own eyes. Uh, give us the courage to speak up when it's time to speak. Give us the wisdom so that we know when it's time to speak. And Father God, above all else, give us love. Let our actions, let our words be motivated by love. Father God, we pray that you would enable us to love one another the way that you have commanded. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band makes their way back up to the stage, we want to thank you again for streaming.